18th of September 2020 marked the inaugural Equal Pay Day, drawing attention to the gender pay gap, the difference between what a woman earns compared to a man, for work of equal value and the systemic inequalities it is rooted in. Globally, despite decades of activism and dozens of laws on equal pay, women still earn significantly less than men do. For women with children, women of colour, women refugees and migrants, and women with disabilities, the figure is even lower. According to the National Business Initiative, women in South Africa are paid between 19 and 37% less than their male counterparts. Well, today we welcome into the studio two tireless advocates for the rights of women, Mabato Makoti and Sharon Gordon. Mabato is a mathematician turned impact entrepreneur with a passion for education and youth development. She's the founder of Mathematics, a STEM CSI and monitoring and evaluation consulting company. She's the founding member of Dream Girls, a female empowerment and mentoring organization. To date, Dream Girls has impacted and educated over 3,000 young women and girls. Bato was recognized as one of Mail and Guardian's top 200 young South Africans, WEF Global Shaper, 100 most influential young people in South Africa. She was named one of the millennials to look out for in the business in Africa by Forbes Women Africa. She is a Mandela Washington Fellowship Young African Leader and had the opportunity to convene with former First Lady of the United States, Michelle Obama, on the prosperity of girl education in South Africa. Sharon Gordon is the fearless teller of necessary truths and is a returning guest to Society Superheroes. Sharon is driven and independent. During the 80s, she was a human rights lawyer, instrumental in running the first legal strike in South Africa. Before embarking on a path of entrepreneurship, she held the position of CEO for Human Resources for Bulletin International. Sharon is the founder of Lola Montez. She's also the CEO of a non-profit organization called Dignity Dreams. She's a sought-after speaker on sex and sexuality. Finally, Sharon has published two books, has a column in the Saturday Star and is a regular guest on radio and television. And again, I find myself as the thorn among three roses. <laughs> three women and one man, but mm. I know you'll be able to hold your own. I will do my and best. And chances are you earn more than us combined. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're here to talk about. And interestingly, just to throw that into the conversation, and I'm in a traditionally female-dominated environment, which has created some other interesting talking points but not for today. <laughs> we certainly will discuss those at another timeline. Sure. Sharon, um, something that we've discussed often is it actually goes wrong in the very first job interview. So your first job interview, I'm sure we can all remember what that was. Why does it go wrong then? Yeah, so um, we everybody in this room probably has had that experience. So you go for your job interview and they offer you the job. Um, only 10% of women, and really your first job is when you're still a girl and you don't really have all the um, experience that you need, the only 10% of girls will negotiate their first salary as opposed to between 60 and 70% of boys. And what happens is, is, is that already women are being offered less than men. So that first salary is less than somebody who will, uh, a male who will go into the same position for the same work. That boy will negotiate up. That girl will accept what she gets. And we all go, okay, well, we'll make it up. But you never make it up because that gap 
gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's estimated that by the end of your work life, that difference in what you um, didn't earn is equivalent to about 4 million rand at the end of your um, economic um, earning potential. That's huge. It's absolutely huge. Well, wealth creation. Bartle, where do you think we go wrong? Where, where do we start to change where young girls and women go in confidently and demand what their male counterparts are demanding? I definitely think it's from our upbringing, just really being given the confidence to say what you want and say, and actually go for what you want, right? And I look back at myself and my career, and uh, I grew up in a, in a very male-dominated family myself, but I was really um, surrounded by strong male figures and my grandfather being one of them. And I remember he used to say to me, you're so smart, you can do anything and don't let anyone sway you another way, right? And it's had a huge influence on in who I am and just also going into business in my teens and etc. But if you don't know your worth, Corin, you can't ask for whatever salary you want, right? So it may be just, somebody else may think of it as salary, but it's actually self-worth because it's putting a number or a price to the work that you deliver, right? And so many times we take that for granted. We think, oh, it's just a salary. But if you don't know what you're worth, then you can't say what you want. And Marty, just to sort of pick up on exactly the same point, it's, it, it's almost like in very traditional families, like I mentioned earlier that I'm in a traditionally female-dominated environment. It's like good work for men is something that works with numbers and looking after kind of like money and numbers and stuff and then good work for women is like social work yeah, or doing something hearty stuff you know now you've changed that um, in a big way because your i mean your, your great passion is the development of the stem pro well the stem world i suppose opening the stem world for the girl child how did we get to a place in your mind where girls believed that they couldn't do maths so many times we drum as kids in school that, oh, boys are so good at math. And so boys go into engineering and construction and uh, technology. And women are supposed to go into all the hard stuff, right? And what I saw growing up is that even when I got to university, I was one of a few um, girls in my, in my university class. And there was a guy sitting next to me. And I am like prim and proper girl. I'm always dressed up. There I was in my matching bag and I sat next to him and he said to me, do you think you're going to make it? And I said, of course I'm going to make it. And he was like, oh, we'll see about that. And, you know, end of the year, I was sitting on the honors roll. And so it was that kind of thing that we always need to have somebody pushing us for us to do better at something. And so with STEM, I think really it's about changing the language and really start telling girls that you can do STEM, you can do math. Because really, I think women are designed to be good at math, in fact. You know, we are already logical. We're already analytical. We just need to start applying that to everything that we do because we are engineers, scientists, you know, we travel so many things at once. And that's really what math is. It's about really focusing on something and then making it work. And it's really come across so well in my career, how I've learned to take what I did in math and apply it to my life. The decisions I make, women are everyday decision makers. And so we need to really start putting that into everything. We can do this. Mm. Sharon, you were in a very um, male dominated industry. So as an attorney, I suppose, once again, as, as Luke said earlier and, and Bachelor said, we go into hard stuff. So I think uh, it would be interesting to know what, what, um, how many men and how many women go into law. 
but you'll find then they go off into different directions. Yeah. So when, look, I'm very old. So the world's <laughs> changed significantly since yeah. I was at varsity. So when I was at varsity, I was at Rhodes and our final LLB year had 40 students. Two of those were women. Okay. So when I went and did my articles, I was the only woman in the, um, in the practice. And certainly then when I specialized, I was one of, one of very few women who practiced in um, human rights and um, sort of labor law, because that's, those were my specialities. It's changed. Now you battle to find a boy in law. And law is a very, very, very hard um, career for women because we, you know, and it comes back to what Cheryl Sandberg says, is, you know, when you get a partner, when your partner must be your partner. So if the kid's sick today, you take care of the kid. If the sick kid is still sick tomorrow, your partner takes care of it. And that doesn't happen yet. We mothers... We still mothers. We still do, and I, I, I often think that women have shot themselves in the foot because all we've done is we've gone out and got careers and still kept everything else that we have to do. Mm. And in fact, uh, I have a friend visiting me at the moment, and we were both lamenting the fact that we both need wives. Mm. You know, it's just somebody to run the house, check the children, take the kind for a service. You know that because we're doing all of that and working. So the world is. And until we change that, nothing's going to change. In, in fact, you know, I was just reading a UN um, woman um, gender report yesterday, and it said that because we play so many roles, it's actually hindering us from also progressing in our careers and then demanding more pay, right? Because you're thinking, oh, if I get a promotion, I'm going to be expected to be working late. I'm going to be expected to do all these things, but I've got to take care of my kids. I've got to make sure. And so we end up then giving up some of the things that we need to do in order to progress in our careers because we know we've got family responsibilities and it's just almost like a i don't know who came up with this law that women should be the ones who are supposed to hold back and oh and i i, I i've out. got an opinion on that which we won't trend on the show <laughs> <laughs> no you can show let's it's go no 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 it's religion mm. you know religion has 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 kept women in their place mm. for two thousand years you know, we are lesser than. I mean, we even even today when we do our wedding vows, you know, I will accept your headship over me. Really? Really? But you should never say the <laughs> obey part. So in very conservative religions, we still promise to obey. We still promise to have his headship over me. And I mean, you know... <laughs> In the 21st century, we're still, we're still promising that. And I think that what that does is it keeps women in their place. And if you, you know, if you, we were talking about earlier at schools, why aren't girls good at maths? Because when they are, they're the geeks and they're teased. And you know what? Women are the, the worst enemies because it will be girls that will be picking on those girls not to achieve. And so, you know, I, I often think that we're going backwards. I don't. I, I think that we progressed significantly during the 80s and the 90s, and I honestly think we're going backwards. I actually think, you know, on your point just around um, maybe the 21st century and religion, I actually think everybody's just interpreted things to their own liking, right? And when it comes to women empowerment, um, male and female should be partners. 
right? Just like the head and the neck. And so one can't do without the other. And so many times people always see things so linearly that, oh, if men are the head, then women are useless. But you can't work without the neck. And 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 to a certain degree, when it comes to equal pay and it comes to uh, women empowerment, it, we really need to get men onto the same boat to support us, right? Because both men and women are on the, uh, in the boardroom, but men seem to have a more dominant, dominating voice in the boardroom. But the only way to get them on our side is really to work together. And and and, and you you mentioned also quite an important point around women bullying other women, and it happens a lot. If I look back on just growing up and how really um all the nerds were the uncool ones, and all the uh you know the cool girls were all the pretty ones and that sort of were outgoing, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think we also need to start changing the narrative around how you should how what smart looks like, because smart can look like anything. It doesn't have to fall into a certain box. But as soon as you start thinking that I'm smart, then you start knowing your your worth, and then you then sort of start saying this is what I want and this is what I don't want. Yeah, I th- I think the thing for me is is that um, we still have these huge hang-ups about women who earn more than men. So you know, if you are in a relationship and you're earning more than your husband or your partner, the dynamic that happens around that. And again, I can only talk to my generation um, and sort of maybe a couple of years younger than me. But it is; it's a huge issue that that men's um, self-confidence actually can't cope with the fact that you're earning more. And again, last night, we obviously had a very good evening last night because we discussed a whole pile of stuff. And one of the things that I I remember significantly was in my jawling days when we used to go to the clubs and whatever, and people used to ask me what I did, I would never admit to being an attorney. I always used to say I work in a law firm. And they automatically assumed that I made the T or I was the typist, yeah. Because the minute I said to people, oh, I'm an attorney, they spoke to me different. And they didn't, and, and it was almost like, oh, well, you think you're better than me. Mm. And and I think that, I, I don't know if that still exists. I don't know if little girls still allow that. But, you know, I, I, I do have, I do work in schools and I do see that girls are still just so obsessed with approval and approval from men and i think that 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 and we're still talking to our daughters about finding a good husband you know your 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 wealth and your security is going to depend on who you marry and we've got to get rid of that if we want that gender pay gap to get smaller and smaller girls must be taught that they're going to look there's there's no prince on a white horse coming to save you chicken you're going to save yourself you know, and you're going to have to earn your own salary, and best you start negotiating it the day you can speak. Yeah. And I think also girls need to also be taught the difference between um, earning the right salary and wealth, right? Because being rich and being wealthy are two different things. And so many times we think of being rich, which means that you need to be paid X amount of money because then you've got it. Coincidentally, being end of the month today, you you know mm-hmm. your bank account has got money in it, but you're not creating wealth. And so, so many times then we start relying on, our, on, on either our other men or our partners, etc. when it comes to investments. Because it's not a language that goes around the, the dinner table around girls, right? And women aren't brought into the conversations around investments and wealth. And so, it all really starts with the goal of creating wealth. 
Because when you know where you're going and where your money is taking you, then you start demanding what you work. Because you have a bigger goal with your money. You want to create wealth. You want to create generational wealth. And it's about time women started creating generational wealth. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we do is, is that if you are in a relationship, um, you leave the money to your husband, you know, and your money buys the groceries and, you know, puts petrol in the car and buys those new sneakers that that kid wants. You know, I read a lovely thing on Facebook yesterday and I love Facebook because it just gives me all this nonsense that I don't need. And it says, you know, there my son is wearing his hundred dollar sneakers and I'm wearing a 10 year old bra. <laughs> You know, and so and true. and that's and that's what women, women make. yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I ran, uh, I, I started Lola Montez, and I'd see women coming in to buy a a toy, and you could literally see them doing the sums in their head. Well, if I, mm. um, you know, I can't afford it this month because I've got to buy school clothes or I've got to buy this, and so women don't put themselves, um, you know, and and we aren't, we aren't taught to save. I mean, I I would hazard a guess that maybe only one of us in this room knows about shares and has a share portfolio. I just want to point out that's not me. Yes, no, no, no. It wasn't you. It wasn't you, Luke. It was. <laughs> it wasn't Karen either. It wasn't me. So guess who? It's the millennial. Yeah, it's the millennial. Yes, but the millennial has done things differently. Yes. And it's something we chatted about earlier. Mm. And Sharon, you've raised it um, in the context of um, a relationship with a husband and wife. But let's look at how often it happens in a business or a non-profit. Yeah. Where women, myself included, and guilty as charged, where we believe we don't know how to read financials. We don't know how to run the money stuff. And, you know, then, then we we in a situation where we let somebody else run the money mm -hmm. stuff and it, it backfires very, very badly. We do. We leave the decision-making mm -hmm. or the accountancy part to a male. In fact, I have a, um, a male accountant and I double-check him all the time. In fact, he knows every month. I'm like, oh, I just went on and um, I just want to read through everything. And she's been my accountant for 10 years now and he laughs about it because he knows that's, that's just who I am. I really want to know where every single cent is going on, what's happening to it, right? And the only way I got to that point, because I wasn't really, I'm good with the numbers, but accounting wasn't something I did at school. But I taught myself. And so it really goes back to just really growing and reinvesting in yourself and learning, right? And not really being comfortable, complacent with where you are. Because life is really a constant journey of learning. And the more you learn, the better you get. But then being in business as well, I found that um, my value, placing my value on my work in business, was something that I learned the hard way very earlier on when I started the business. Is someone would ask me for advice around some business stuff and would expect me to do it for free, you know? Mm. And I'm saying, Welcome oh, to our world. This is something that Sharon holds yeah. me to account all the time and, and, and I, I think oh but if, if, if a, a man would have probably sent you an invoice right and now i found more of a bigger voice around that because i excuse me i'll say to someone oh okay well it's going to cost you mm. it's going to cost you if i'm going to give you advice because it's really taking time out of my schedule and time is money you know time is money and so i want to put value to it and that really takes me to the earlier days where somebody said oh but you're good at this i'm sure you can just have a look at this proposal for me i'm like oh but it's going to cost you because that's my value. And so it really keeps going back to value, mm. back to value. And Bartol, once again, you speak about Facebook because I love Facebook as much as Sharon. Um, so there, there is a, yes, I know, you've told me I need to be on the gram and I just, I just, I just can't go. So um, there's a, a meme on Facebook and um, I think it is a huge ship 
and the man is required to go and tell them what is wrong with the ship or the engine or whatever it might be. And um, he presents them with an invoice and they say, yes, but you were only there for 15 minutes and then you've given me this huge invoice. And he says, yes, but in order for me to, to, to find the problem and give you a solution in 15 minutes has taken me however many years of education and then another so many years of experience. And I think that's what people don't realize is that our value is accumulated over many, many years. Mm -hmm. Luke, um, unfortunately, we, we're nearly out of time already. The, the 20 minutes have gone far too quickly. So would you like to round up what you, I see you making, furiously making notes. Yeah, I, th I think there's a couple of interesting points that have that have been landed. And I think, I, you know, I will start with Sharon and then end with Bartu. Sharon, I mean, what I've heard in law firms, I mean, you say it's hard to find a male lawyer and all of that. And I mean, as much as there has been this kind of, and I call it dressing in respect to all the women are in law. But I still sit in the in boardrooms of law firms and I still hear jokes like, no, 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 we don't fall pregnant in this in this firm. You know, um, that's an interruption to your partnership prospects. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, I mean, it's said in like kind of a joking way, you know, we don't have a pregnancy policy in here or you have to pay back your pregnancy leave in the partnership. So, there's a level at which that needs to be challenged because as much as it may look like in the facade and the window dressing of it that it's looking more equal and accessible, it's actually not. No, 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 no. We're going backwards. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely going backwards. I mean, COVID mm -hmm. has devastated um, the, the work prospects for women. And a lot of women just can't afford to go back. Because of childcare, because of, you know, and it's and and we really are going backwards, and so this whole pregnancy thing again. I bring up Cheryl Sandberg. You know, she says, "Don't leave before you leave," because what happens is is that we say, "Right, um, there's there's a promotion up. Yeah, but I'm going to get married next month. Maybe I shouldn't chase it. Uh, I might fall pregnant, so I'm not going to chase it. Uh, I'm pregnant, so I'm not going to chase it." And you must remember that. You go back to the salary and the position when you come back. Mm. So, and and some women do take, you know, I took two weeks off. Mm. Um, I didn't take six months off. I took two weeks off because that's how hungry I was to get to the board. Mm. Um, but not everybody's like that. And that's okay. Mm. But those of us who want to stay in the game need the opportunities to. Mm. Um, and I think that that's the frustrating bit. And I think that's that, that's sort of the final thought I, I want to throw to Bartol because I really think that, you know, as a young person, the, that's the messages we need to land. Is essentially what, what I hear you telling me is that you had to choose between the role of mother and career woman. You had to make an actual choice yes. between a oh, role. absolutely, yes. And that's where this, I mean, there's various ways people have framed it in the literature. The one is the backlash of feminism, which the word backlash is very loaded or the superwoman syndrome that you got to be everything. And I think the challenge is is that the the idea, and I'm being a bit facetious now, but the idea that you know for you to be equal to men as women for me is hardly aspirational. But that's the that yeah, you that's lack the, ambition. <laughs> yeah. You want to be you. That's, you. Uh, that's hardly aspirational. <laughs> but the second thing <clears throat> is maybe about the conversations up front that young young ladies or young women have to have with men. For example, a simple thing like. A man saying, "I help with the children," or no, I'm babysitting. Yeah, or I help. 
where th- that language is something we need to actively challenge because you, you, you are not helping with the house or helping with the children. You are parenting. And in relation to the, the trying to bring the almost that Hegelian dialectic where you've got this, this thesis that men are in charge, then we're supposed to empower women. Now men feel they've lost something. Where we bring it to the middle where we say we can all gain from the fact that there is a better gender parity in pay, in opportunity, all the things we've been discussing. How do we land that for young millennials? So I think one thing also that uh, we need to bear in mind is that the NDP uh, 2030 says that for every one person uh, employed in South Africa, they could support up to seven people in a family, right? And we already know globally that when a woman gets paid, the first thing they think of is other people, Mm. their kids, their family members, etc., right? But if we're not paying women more, how many people are suffering from that? Mm. And so the thing that really goes back to millennials, and and, and, and this is a big term around black millennials, black tax, Mm. as you know, is black tax is a real thing. Mm. It's a real thing. And so with millennials, it really is about, and most people think millennials are selfish. Mm. It's all about us, 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 and what I want to do with my money and where I want to go with my career. But it's really, it's all about how do we write the story for ourselves? And that's really been my motto, is writing the story that I am comfortable with, writing a story that suits my life, and really writing a story that I know I can look in the mirror and say, I'm proud of that girl. That girl's uh, gone for every opportunity out there. She's opened more opportunities for more women, you know, and she's created wealth, not only for herself, but really uh, an entire circle of women and uh, and families. And that's really what it goes back to, right? It's really about when you invest in yourself, you're investing in more than one person. When you invest in another woman, you're investing in a, a ripple effect of other people. But the only way you can do that is really giving women what they deserve. So, sorry, so, no, no, just a, just a quick one. So I think that the important thing for me that came out of that is to develop yourself is not selfish. Bartwin, Sharon, thank you ever so much for spending this time with us, for giving us a whole lot to think about. I think this really needs a follow-up conversation because I think we've only um, scratched the, the tip of the iceberg. We really, really have. So to everyone who's listening, what is the story that you are going to write for yourselves? Sharon and Bartle, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for a wonderful conversation. And I'll j- just a little reflection. As we were talking about not being able to read balance sheets and whatever, I started feeling more and more and more like a woman as the, as the conversation went on. Have a good day, everybody. And bye-bye.